0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Here's a man who can make stars open up even better than Piers Morgan. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Hello, Leicester Square Theatre. Hello. Welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. That's what the squares call it. Or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rahel Esteper. Wow, it's a pretty exciting week. For the podcast last week. wasn't it, it was amazing. Do you see? Do you listen to it? See, it was uh, Stephen Fry was on, and he the shocking admission that he'd never read The Hobbit. I, mean, I no, I've never. I haven't really been following the news, so I don't know if anything's uh, there's. There's a man here. This our nuclear physicist David. I think uh, is wearing an I Love London hat in. Uh, <laughs> is a tribute to uh, an audience member from the first half last week. It's gonna been pretty extraordinary. Uh, everything that went on, getting on the news. Uh, all around the world. I was up in Glasgow uh, and doing a radio show and I kind of came out and sort of saw Eamon Holmes talking about me and stuff, well not so much about me, but it was, well, I'd like to thank everyone who came last week who didn't uh, go and blab about it straight away, you could probably have made £200 selling that to the papers before it came out, Uh, so thank you for that and no one even tweeted about it, so you're a fantastic audience, thank you for that and uh, we'll see, it puts a bit of pressure on though doesn't it, what am I going to, how am I going to get in the news this week? (laughs) I may have to kill somebody in the audience to get in Get in this week. We'll just have a quick uh, chat with uh, the audience because we haven't done that. There's a lady here, which is quite a nice-looking like, nice lady. Oh, there you go. That's, what's, what's your name? Rosie. Rosie. Yes. That was very posh. Is it? Yes, it was Rosie. came out all Rosie. Um, what do you do for a living, Rosie?
2: I'm a management consultant. You're a
0: management consultant? It's very, nice. like very well-spoken. It's very nice. It's just a way to uh, perv on you and just film you. <laughs> This isn't even for the show. I'm just going to take this home. (laughs) Oh, no, you've spoiled it. Oh, that's put me right off my stroke. That's a way just to make it last a bit longer. Oh! (laughs) Um, What what does it involve, management consulting? What does that involve?
2: Not
0: not a lot. Not
2: a lot?
0: Bullshitting. Bullshitting. (laughs) So you might not even be a management consultant. You're very good at it, though. You should be. Uh, So, come on, that was worth more than that. Uh, But uh, I was was coming back from Glasgow uh, and... um, in the, in the airport, I was looking at magazines. I was looking at a magazine, because I knew there was an interview with uh, Russell Brand, who's going to be on the show next week. It's very exciting. Uh, so I was looking for his the magazine that was talking to him. But then I found a magazine there in, the, in Smith's at the airport called Railways and the Holocaust, which uh, it's quite a specific Venn diagram, isn't it? Those two. Do you interested in railways? Yeah, I like railways. Do you like the Holocaust? I like the Holocaust, too. We've got the magazine for you. It's Railways... And the whole, a very specific readership. I'm hoping they'll bring out the speedboats and the civil war in Rwanda. That is what I'm hoping for. Or tuk-tuks and the asteroid that destroyed the dinosaurs. You know, I think just two things. Even if you take it at face, I think it's like railways of the Holocaust, right? That's what, that's what they were probably aiming for with that type. But even that's quite an odd thing to do a magazine about. Specifically. Yeah, I'm not, no, I'm not interested in anything else in the Holocaust Apart from the railways, I'm interested in what gauge trains took the people to the concentration camps. It's, what, who is this aimed at? It's an incredible. Uh, it's, it's like kind of doing a magazine based on the bike that Lee Harvey Oswald cycled to the book depository. And it's the it's, uh, it's, it's subtitle it's The Trains That Shamed the World. Like it was the train's fault that this happened. Other trains were going oh I'm embarrassed Thomas the Tank Engine presumably going oh I'm embarrassed about those trains they should have they should have refused to take those people so uh, I enjoyed that so that's a real magazine I should have uh, bought a copy so I could have proven it to you and showed you uh, but that's just not the kind of guy I am oh and I should remember I just want to say thank you to Aaron Cleland who I believe lives in Singapore who has made a fantastically large donation to Scope uh, and if you do the same thing I'll announce you, your name on a podcast as well I was going to get Stephen Fry to say his name last week which would have been much better wouldn't it than me just saying it now uh, but never mind look we're going to crack straight on with the show we've got two shows we're doing tonight uh, you at home will be watching you can watch the uh, second one Uh, uh, A little bit later in the week, if you're getting this straight away. So uh, I'm very, very excited uh, to have this guest. She's one of my favourite people on TV. Will you please welcome a woman who has been described as the best-known classicist in the country, (laughs) given that she's the only one anyone has ever heard of. Will you please welcome Mary Beard, ladies and gentlemen. Mary Mary Beard. She's straight in on the wine. Why not? (laughs) Why not? Don't be intimidated by my Chortle Award. Mm-hmm. Mary, that is... I can't wait for John Lloyd to see that my two awards is going to be shitting himself, when not he? That is a Sony Bronze Award. I've been carrying that around in my bag, oh. the Sony Bronze Award. its Look, it started rubbing off. Can you see that? You can see the bronze. I thought that was made of real bronze. I thought that would last forever. That's going to be all the time. You see those big holes in it? Looks like, useless. Load of God. shit in it. So, uh, look, it's... Because um, it, you're, you're, you're a much more... Um, we, you know, we've got an intellectual one. I don't want to... I think we should change the tone of the, of the podcast. So I've got different questions for you. We're going to go quite historical, quite intellectual. Oh, phew. Um, and uh, so my first question is, did Julius Caesar ever try to suck his own cock? Is that... It's, it's an interesting... It is an uh, interesting historical question. All Romans did. All Romans did. How do you know? Have you got evidence?
2: Well, it's like the way, you know, I, for <laughs> women this is quite difficult. The, the, the equivalent for a woman yes. is when they see their kid aged you know, 18 months sucking its toe, every mother in the country goes up to the bedroom sits down and sees if they can still do it, right? (laughs) And usually they can with child number one. By child number two or three, um, they've gone off a bit. And... So, my fantasy is because it's one of the ways that you can <laughs> take the Romans down a peg or two, you know, you can kind of undress them, take their togas off, is that, of course, every Roman tried to right. suck their own cock. And they're always talking about yeah. cock sucking all over the place, so I do expect you, they did. Do
0: you think that's why Julius Caesar said et tu brute? That's why he was going, oh, et tu brute. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just me, but everyone's. You maybe, you know, they discovered. Julius Caesar's skeleton, you know, all bent round and stuff. Because Richard III's was a bit, wasn't he? I think Richard III might have been having a crack at it. And that Mr just,
2: Herring. Just as he was going. Know, I am going to be a pedant yes. at this point and say, Julius Caesar never said et did
0: tu,
2: I oh. Shall I tell you what he said? Yeah,
0: do tell me. I know Natalie Haynes goes on about this all the time. but I can never Yeah, remember she what does. Yeah. 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 On, what? She,
2: but she <laughs> learned it from me. <laughs> she did. <laughs> Literally. Uh, he says kai su, technon, which is Greek for you too, my child. Oh. And it was always thought to be a very clever, dying joke because rumours had it that Brutus was the illegitimate son oh. of Julius Caesar. So it was not just assassination, it was patricide. Wow. So he's always
0: thinking, that's what I'm kind of thinking, when I'm doing comedy sometimes, I think someone shoots me or something on stage and go, now, that's a heckle, just as I'm dying. You kind of think you're prepared. (laughs) You're sort of prepared. Caesar was prepared. He had a lot. Why was he speaking Greek if he was Roman? What was wrong with him?
2: Uh, He was showing off, I think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Lucky someone understood and could write it down. It's always speaking Roman. That is my advice uh, to you. So um, I've been to see the uh, Pompeii exhibition at the uh, British Museum, which is fantastic. It's about Herculaneum and life and death in Herculaneum and Pompeii, which you are a part of. you're on the audio guide. And I'm on the audio guide, help. talking about cocksucking. You are, Yeah, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I thought. you were a perfect <laughs> guest to get in. Now I think there's quite a few remarkable things uh, at the uh, on the exhibitions, but my favourite uh, one uh, that I enjoyed the most was um, the picture of the well, one. It's a sculpture of Pan uh, having sex with a goat. That's uh, just there. If you can see it, this was discovered in a garden, I think, in Pompeii or Herculaneum. A garden
2: outside Herculaneum, and it's. It, it alone is worth going to the. Yeah, that's right. Get you can it. See, get it. You can see his actual cock right. going into the yes. goat there. Yes, you can.
0: And that's the goat. It's Pan, who is half goat, so it's not as dirty as you think. No, it's it's, it's sort it's of
2: half goat shagging full goat. Yeah, it's and really it's quite. Ridiculous.
0: I think it's quite tender. That he's sort of holding on to the goat's beard <laughs> as he's doing it, and that could, I mean that could be tender. It could. It's hard to tell because it's not moving. You know, it could be well. tugging it hard. That is rude. If you're going to have sex with a goat, be tender. That is my advice. But what I enjoyed about this particularly was uh, I, I was looking, we were looking, my, my wife and I were looking around this fantastic exhibition at the same time as a school party were going around and these, these like basically 10-year-old boys, one of them saw this and then just he couldn't believe what he had just seen <laughs> no, no. and like he thought he hadn't seen it and then he called over his friend who then walked over and was so terrified by what he knew, he knew what he was doing. Was wrong, and he kind of was almost backing away as he was because he was, yeah, no, and all his friends were laughing at it. It was amazing.
2: It's the best advert for classics <laughs> that's been in this country. What's, what's there, going on there with many that? A long with year. Pan having sex with a goat in someone's garden? Well, um, the British Museum clearly think there is a bit wrong because they have a little health warning. Did you notice the health warning which said I could only no. see the cock going into the, the, the <laughs> well, goat's cloaca? How uh, do? had you looked more carefully you would have seen that there was a notice outside saying some people might find this a little upsetting you know um, and uh, uh, you know adults only and that kind of thing which yeah. draws every kid to it you know absolutely like um, you know magnet um, I think it's difficult because I think part of me wants to say look um, this jolly will is upsetting isn't it if anybody can go into an exhibition and look at a sculpture of pan shagging a goat and say oh that was you know it was all right wasn't it you know nothing nothing special there you know they're kidding themselves yes. honestly they're kidding themselves but then you look at it again and you think um uh, this was a really good ancient joke wasn't it you know somebody the sculptor, has sat down and said right how do we imagine? We know that Pan. The, the important thing about Pan in the ancient world is he'll shag anything. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll shag slaves or trees or goats or anything. So trees, is, trees. Yes. Okay. If if all living creatures are lacking, he'll do trees. <laughs> anything. That's what you know about Pan. You know, he is utterly voracious. So when you say, if you're this rather classy sculptor, and it is rather nice, you know, it's very elegantly done, and you can still see the bits of paint on his beard, you know, it's holding. You say, so how do we think Pan would have shagged a goat, right? And of course, we all know that, sh- you know, that goat shagging only happens from behind, you know, but what this guy has done is shown Pan shagging the goat in a missionary position. Mm. <laughs> so it's not just he's holding onto the beer, but the kind of little hooves are sort of, you know, <laughs> against the, you know, the front hooves against the shoulders. Yeah. And, the, and the little goat has got this great beatific smile on her face. <laughs> and you think, this is, this is something really, this is more extraordinary than what you think it is. This is consensual bestiality yeah. in the missionary position yeah. done you know actually because somebody you know these romans were clever enough to know what they were doing on this you know and this is actually it's found in the garden of a great roman villa Owned, as we know, by an Epicurean philosopher, because we found hundreds and hundreds of papyrus rolls of Epicurean philosophy. Now, Epicurean philosophy had one central question to it, which is what is pleasure? Right? Now, at some point there's a you know there's a really big joke here, isn't it? Because in the garden of the house of the man who's really thinking about what pleasure is, we've sort of now defined pleasure as shagging a goat in the missionary position <laughs> um, with smiles smiles all yeah. round. You know.
0: Are most archaeologists kind of getting into it in the hope of finding some ancient <laughs> pornography that they can, is that is that the way, yeah, we found another one. He's doing a goat. Someone must have posed for this. It's kind of like so, well, they really, they've really thought it through. No,
2: no goats were killed in the making of this sculpture. I, I'm not right? sure about that.
0: <laughs> well, it's very well worth going, uh, having a look if, if you uh, if you want to see that. I've got um, last week. Uh, I, spoke, I spoke to Stephen Fry, and um, uh, I, I had questions from uh, Ben Evans, the the son of uh, Chris Evans. It's not that one. Uh, no, not the one from the Avengers. Uh, the guy who directs uh, and works for Go Faster Stripe and owns Go Faster Stripe. Uh, I should point out that Ben Evans, uh, he did ask the question, uh, got the uh, amazing response from Stephen Fry. Though his whole class had put these questions together. He wanted to make it clear. Uh, now he's in the new... you got in the paper. <laughs> in the South Wales local paper. Uh, you know, it's pointless. No one can read it, but it's, it's kind of good... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so uh, he's, he's asked, him, him and his classmates have asked some questions. Uh, Sadie Evans uh, asked, I'm guessing some kind of relation uh, to Ben Evans. Uh, what is, it might not be, it's Wales, isn't it? Uh, so there we go. Uh, what, is, what is, I hate you in Latin, I want to say it to my brother? <laughs> that is the question for you.
2: Phew, I can answer that one. Yeah. U- usually when people say, what is something in Latin, <laughs> you think, oh God, I can't remember the word. This is simple. Yeah. It is
0: Tay Odie. Tay That sounds quite good.
2: It's like, like
0: Toadie from Toady. Neighbours.
2: Tay yeah.
0: That was, was that just it was a clever joke in Neighbours? They just hated that. He was a hateful guy, wasn't he? <laughs> Rebecca, what was his name? Jared Rebecca. <laughs> Fucking oh, hell, how did I remember that?
2: Uh, uh, to- so, I <laughs> hope, I Toadfish,
0: hope. Jared Rebecca. I
2: hope Fuck. that goes around South Wales and gets into uh, the paper. Huh?
0: <laughs> Toadie. So yeah, there you go. So hasn't, that hasn't seemed to. Got us in the papers this time. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm guessing. We'll see. Uh, there are a couple more questions. Oh, no. I'll, ask ben, I'll ask Ben Evans one. Um, what do you think is the most innovative thing the Romans came up with or did after the, the thing of with the, the goat? The goat. <laughs> <sighs> well,
2: you can also see this in the British Museum, actually. Oh, yeah. you know, it's a bit more of a plug
0: for the British Museum. You don't get any of the money from the British Museum, do you? Do you get? Do they let you keep something? I'd like to go, They should like once a year. They should let everyone go around and take one thing home with them. That's what. If
2: you're a member, you can have one thing. When I was on Desert Island Discs, and I, uh, they asked what your you know luxury was going to be, yeah. I chose the Elgin Marbles. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, if you really want real, intriguing and pointless innovation then I think it has to go... The prize has to go to the, the Dormouse fattener, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, now, in the British Museum, there's this great object, great right, sort of pot about, well, a couple of foot high. Um, and it really is connected with the supposed Roman habit of eating Dormice as a delicacy. And what this pot is, is a place for keeping them and fattening them up before they get on the table. And from the outside, it looks completely normal, except it's got lots of little holes in it, um, which is to bring the air in. See, Richard's got it here, you know? But (laughs) inside... So most people go to the exhibition, they will not give this pot a second look, but it really is worth it, because it's got a whole load of runs around the inside... And it's got two little feeding dishes at the top, and you have to imagine that the dormice are not stupid, so that without a top, it would they would have escaped. There was a little lid to go on, and the idea is that you put the dormice in there, you give them their exercise runs, and then you fill up the little food trays with like grapes or something or whatever ancient dormice ate, and you wait till they're fat enough to eat. What I think is great about that is it's you know, people think about the Romans as being fantastically sensible and there's kind of bridges and hypercourse and engineering and roads. You know, actually, you know, where quite a lot of that ingenuity is going is into something that's completely bonkers <laughs> as a Dormite Fattener. <laughs> and, you know, the idea that we can now see it in London temporarily, there's very, very few of these dormice fatteners right. survive. They're very rare objects, extremely precious. <laughs> they do, um, they kind of hit Roman ingenuity on the head, I mm. think.
0: Ben Evans has lost it. I tell you, he was—he was much better last. <laughs> I'm going to ask my own
2: questions from now on. Uh,
0: there is quite a lot of cock-based stuff. I won't go on too much about cock-based stuff. But it, uh, my last show, Talking Cock, did reference something from—I think from Pompeii, because okay. there's penises all over the place in Pompeii. Uh, there's there's a thing saying "Hic habitat felicitas," uh, with a big penis, yes. which means here lives happiness. Uh, and when... what's
2: happiness? But. A... Warm
0: Willy, kind yeah, obviously, exactly. is the, the base. That's basically. You can't the- spell happiness without penis, can you? That's what I say. So oh, uh, God. that features in my show. There's uh, there's phallus lamps. There's phallus, there's phallus lamps that are like you can light your way with a penis. And what I quite like is the phallus itself also has its own penis as well. So it's it's a phallus like and then it's got a little penis. Like, that's how, the pe- that's how phalluses were created. There are presumably some giant <laughs> muffs walking its around as well. tail?
2: It, it's got a tail as a phallus as well. Right. So it's a phallus with a phallus penis and a phallus tail. And it's also got wings.
0: Yes, it has got so wings. So it
2: can fly, and it's got bells on. <laughs> I'm not... This is not a joke. Yeah. Why were
0: they so obsessed? I mean, it's pathetic. Why were they so obsessed with penises <laughs> in ancient Rome? How do you think I would have got... I don't think I could have been the biggest star. No. <laughs> Be like, yeah, was, yes, what, do you Remember Stuart Lee, the bloke who doesn't do any jokes about penises? <laughs> and Richard Herring. Um, what, why, 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 what, what was the, all the cocks about? Because I've I I noticed as well the Caecilius, oh, uh, like with many people my age who studied Latin, will remember Caecilius because he was in the books Caecilius est Atrium, etc. But Arterio. he was a real. He was <laughs> I got 100% on my Latin exam, and the only mistake I made was I'd spelt there wrong in one of the translations. I put T-H-E-I-R. So I used to be very good at it, but I, then, I, then I let it go. Uh, but I've just noticed that the Caecilius is like a bust of his head, and then it's like a big block, and then there's a little willy coming out the block of right. stone. Like <laughs> a bronze willy or something.
2: I mean, those people who've done the Cambridge Latin course will have, like you, Richard, got to know Caecilius from book one. And on the, the front cover of the Cambridge Latin course, book one, you have got a picture of this bronze bust of Caecilius. Yeah. What, the, what the kind of prudes the Cambridge Latin course didn't show you <laughs> is what, exactly what you saw, which is what happens underneath this rather elegant bronze bust. So have got a great marble shaft, if we can call it that, a shaft, <laughs> um, with his name written on it. And the only other thing is uh, uh, some what we politely call some bronze genitalia. And it's, you know, for me, it absolutely hits the nail on the head about the Romans being, A, sort of just like us, and B, being completely on another planet. <laughs> you know, because what you've got here is the idea that if you want to sum up this... Actually, the guy's a banker. He's a Pompeian banker. If you want to sum up the Pompeian banker, you have this other kind of sort of ruggedly realistic face with wart... Then you have nothing else but this kind of plank in marble, um, and then you have his willie, and it's the idea that somehow, he's going to have to get a video this week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is, you know, that is what you are all about. And in fact, in some ways, the Romans actually got it right, I think, yeah. in a way for men. You know, we're <laughs> obsessed with willies.
0: I'm wondering if yeah. it's just like the bankers, maybe they screwed up as badly as they did with us and then someone just went around sitting in cocks all over their statues <laughs> <laughs> as a kind of statement they've destroyed
2: the economy so, give them a willy <laughs> no, <laughs> might, I, I think I'm, af- I'm afraid it was a proud boast and they're everywhere it's not know? that it's a tiny little thing
0: it's not that praise like a little <laughs> tiny little boy's winky he's got in bronze not that pr- not
2: yeah, he's, he's not proud. He's not using it. You know, it's just shitty. You mean yeah, but but just at least saying, make it like a, you know, put a big one like, on there, well, put some bells on it. The one, the one I like, there's another wonderful um, uh, Willy with bells on it, which sadly has not come to the British Museum. Um, but it shows you that the Romans were a bit more kind of reflective about Willy power than we think. Because what it is is a sort of pygmy. Um, and he's got this vast cock coming out of him and bells all over everywhere. The end of the cock is turning into a dog or possibly a <laughs> wolf. And, so it, and it's turning back to You see, this is yeah. how I know they did try to do what you asked me. So <laughs> it's turning back to him. And in his hand, he has a kind of knife and he's a, he is trying to cut it off. Yeah. Now, you know, people say, you know, Look, you know, willies with bells on is one thing. The idea of a kind of slightly hunchbacked pygmy trying to amputate his own willie, which is in the process of turning into an animal, yeah. is, is a stage further. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like a werecock.
2: Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a great idea.
0: And We've all worried about that, right, eh? <laughs> We're gonna, from now on, you're going to wake up and you didn't think you'd come to this podcast. With Merry Beard, and now be scared of your own penis consuming you, did you? <laughs> you will be now. Look, he's worried about it. Look. <laughs> Look. how worried he is.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down.
0: For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad
1: guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: It's very, so I, well, this is a non-cock-based question about Pompeii. Uh, Pompeii I is my, it, my, my <laughs> <laughs> it is really. <laughs> Pompeii is my absolute favourite place in the world. I went to it when I was 18 and I looked around and I'm kind of disappointed to discover it has all been rebuilt and stuff. <laughs> it, was bom- it was bombed during the war and also anyway, of course, it all fell down. I kind of believed it was all just as it was, but, you know, it's all showbiz. Uh, but what I don't understand is how you've got like Pompeii, which is a quite a big city, and yet you don't really know where most Romans slept. Is that right? That's true. So where did they sleep, and why? How can
2: you not know where they slept? Well, sadly, they don't appear to have bedrooms. Right, right. Or beds, for that matter. I mean, you know, if, if you wanted to know, if you went into a modern house, and you wanted to say how many people lived here, and you know, where did they spend the night? Um, you know, we'd know pretty roughly what the options were. I mean, they might be, you know, might be a kind of, you know, a crappy student bed sit. So the sofa might, in some cases, double for the the bed. But otherwise we'd be going upstairs and the bedrooms would be painted a different colour and they'd have beds in them and you'd only be there at night. Um Pompeii, it's absolutely clear that if you're rich, you know, um, you know, let's let's not forget this is in parenthesis, you know, the poor slept anywhere they could. Uh, but if you're rich, you you don't have designated sleeping areas. Right. You know, so you have what's called a cubiculum, you know, a cubicle. But that's got a sofa in it. It's got a sofa bed. And it's where you do rather secret business. It's where you might entertain your illicit lover in the afternoon. It's where you might sleep in the evening. Uh, it's where you might sign your will. It's a kind of private sort of space. Now, you go to the Pompeian furniture store, um, which there is one. In, in fact, it's at Herculaneum, a great store of of furniture carbonised wooden furniture there is one wooden cradle that is in the British Museum exhibition um, but otherwise there are things that you can lie down on but you don't know if they're sort of beds, there no mm. double beds um, and there are things that look like sofas, there are things that look like you might recline to eat on them um, There are things where you might have slept, but you know part of the point is, of course, we don't really no. and this is even worse I guess mostly we don't know what happened upstairs in a Pompeian house. Mm-hmm. Now it, is, it doesn't seem to be very likely that there were loads of bedrooms upstairs, it doesn't seem to be very likely, but you know, these houses as you say, were, they were destroyed by a volcano, they were bombed by the British in 1943 to smithereens um, over 60, probably 90 different hits on Pompeii because we thought the Germans were hiding out there
0: Also the ghosts of the uh, ancient Italians might come up and drink join in the war effort. So that's you have right, to they want
2: to get rid of them entirely. Destroy them that's all. That's right. And so, you know, when people go into these houses and you still hear them say, "Guys, isn't that amazing? Even the ceilings still survive. You know have to say, sorry, sunshine, um, that was a Kirker 1950. Um, we can see there were upper floors because there's stairs going up and they presumably went up to something. But whether that's where a lot of the slaves slept in mm. the attic, who knows? So, you know, I think... One of, the, one of the big questions, if I, was, if I was advising someone on a new doctoral dissertation subject, you know, where did the Romans sleep, would be quite a good one.
0: Good, so you don't know the answer. No. <laughs> That's the only reason I got you on, because I couldn't work that out, I couldn't find out. Um, this is quite a disturbing thing, this is about Pompeii, then we'll move on from Pompeii after this. Uh, and this is about penises, but this is about a modern-day I said, penis. I
2: said you'd be coming back. Uh,
0: but this is one of the most disturbing things that I found uh, on the Talking Cock uh, questionnaire. <laughs> that there was a man, I said, where have you put your penis for fun? Uh, it was one of the questions on the Talking Cock questionnaire. And there was a man who obviously got off on displaying his penis in uh, various, like, in, the, in churches and big cathedrals and works of art. And then the last one, he said, he'd put his penis in the car in the uh, in the plaster cast hand of one of the victims of... Pop- <laughs> do you think... Do you think that's disrespectful? Because I should explain that they, uh, they, they know they've got all these... There were gaps in the ash, basically, when they came to excavate, and you fill them with plaster, you find out what was there, and some of them are loads of bread and animals, and some of them are people going, ah, no, I'm being hit by a volcano. Uh, so, yeah, that's quite a good shape to, put your, uh, to get your... But it isn't actually their hand. Their hand's disintegrated. It's just the, the space where their hand once was. I found that quite disturbing. What do you think that he What's had to that? move on because he was in an area he shouldn't have been in? Well, ri- you know, ri- literally. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, does that make you look at those those because uh, that's an actual like person, the place where a person died. I think that's not right, is it?
2: Has he written about it apart from on your question? Well, I don't know.
0: I mean, he's out there somewhere.
2: uh, Because, you know, it's it's very interesting, but there's a long, long history to this, you know, Um, uh, particularly the ancients, Romans, Greeks, they, uh, of course, they didn't know about doing it with plaster casts of dead bodies, but um, they knew damn well that people got off on sculptures which right. is almost the same. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful stories about the most famous sculptor of Aphrodite uh, the whole world ever seen. Goddess of love on the island of... No, it's not an island. On the, in the town of Knidos uh, in what's now modern Turkey. Absolutely fantastic, famous sculpture of Aphrodite. And um, a guy falls in love with it. Absolutely falls in love with it. And so he, he manages, they lock the temple up at night and he manages to get locked in with her. Uh, and the guards go away. Um, and uh, so he does what he always wanted to do. He takes her from behind. <laughs> um, and in fact, you know he took her from behind because if you go and look, the original is, I'm afraid, sadly destroyed, not by this man. Um, then we have lots of copies of it. And what ancient said is that if you go and look, you could see the little stain on the marble <laughs> where he'd left the trace of having his wicked way with her. But...
0: And the kind of boring tool he presumably had to use to
2: create. <laughs> he got his comeuppance and did. because... <laughs> He went completely bonkers no. once he'd done it, and he went and threw himself off a cliff. But
0: imagine what happened to the bloke who but, did that to the pan having sex with a goat.
2: Uh, oh. <laughs> Hundreds of years later, Romans were going as tourists to the Temple of Aphrodite on Knidos, are uh, going to look for that stain where <laughs> the guy had 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 done his business. Wow! So you know, so your guy who wants to yeah. put his cock in the hands of casts, yeah. you know. There's that is thing. still worse I think, I think a, no, a at least the statue
0: was never actually a human being it's just a representation <laughs> well she was a
2: goddess for good sake well
0: yeah. if you had to have sex with a Roman god which one would you have sex
2: with? <laughs> it's classy isn't it it's a lot classier <laughs> Well, I think it would all have been pretty brutal. I, you know, I don't. I mean, I think you know part of the joke about putting pan in the missionary position <laughs> is that you know no Ro- no bona fide Roman god. You know, did anything as wimpish as the missionary position? I think it was. You know, they were always disguised as bulls and you know, or um, showers of rain and gold. I mean, showers of gold and um, and taking innocent young ladies. So well, I don't know. I think I'd take Pan because at least you'd know where you were with him. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you know, what you see is what you get. That's it. You know, we, Jupiter, well, you wouldn't know if the, you know, if the bull that you were kind of charmingly stroking in the nearby field was suddenly going to whisk you away <laughs> to his love nest. So, you know, it's all a bit deceptive. No, I think, you know, Pan is straight up and down sex. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and you might get goat
0: involved. Right, we'll move on. We'll move on to, uh, well, actually, you met the Queen this week. I did. Yeah, I did the, meet the Queen. How did, how did that go?
2: Well, um, it was very moving <laughs> and I had, for her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, how could you tell? I don't know. Um, but it was it was very funny for me because I'm a um, you know I'm a, a, a basic Republican, you right. know, basic Republican, and I went to the opening of the BBC New HQ which looks absolutely gorgeous from the outside, absolutely gorgeous. And I thought, oh, God, I'm, you know, I got an invite. I'm marking a hell of a lot of exams this week. I'm so, you know, I'm so knackered. You know, why don't I go, right? Um, So I turn up at the BBC HQ with my little invite. Um, I hadn't thought a minute about it, really, apart from that I was going to go and there'd no doubt be, you know, a bit of a nice piss-up and, and, you know... it would be fun, you know, it would be different <laughs> um, and I knew that something different was going to happen when as soon as I walked into the BBC door uh, a very nice girl came up and said oh, Mary come to the green room and I thought why do I need to go to the green room and then she said you do know don't you that you're, you're in the line up to meet the Queen and I thought no but I thought I better say yes because <laughs> it would look a bit silly to say no um, and, I, and then I thought God, I'm glad I didn't know because otherwise I'd have spent ages deciding what shoes to put on, and you know I'd have washed my hair and <laughs> done a lot of the other things that you know even Republicans do when they meet the Queen because they suddenly get a kind of touch of nervousness. Uh, and it was great, you know. Uh, we were in a, a really motley crew lineup, which included me, Bruce Forsyth, David Dimbleby, Jenny Agutter, Claudia Winkleman, and. Um, Test daily, so it was the Strictly team, (laughs) and there was the kind of it was meant to represent um, the different faces of BBC Telly. The three
0: different faces dancing, pointy head Romans, yeah, and news. That's
2: right. Um, (laughs) And of course, what what really happens is that you know, it's it's as I said on my blog actually, it's a bit like getting stuck in a lift. With people, you know, that although uh, you know, there's no other circumstance in which I would have been for almost two hours in the company of Bruce Forsyth, Um, except you know the the possibility of it being a lift, and so it becomes terribly, terribly memorable. You know, it becomes really you know because you think this is just weird. You know, I'm supposed to be uh, marking. Exam questions about you know Rome's battle with Carthage, and here I am sitting in the bowels of the BBC with Bruce Forsyth and his <laughs> and his much younger wife, um, <laughs> and and so y- not that much younger. <laughs> All right, it's not
0: so far. Oh no, Sorry, Bruce oh. is fine. <laughs> it's one of the rare.
2: As you can see, that's the news story. <laughs> yeah, Mary Beard accuses <laughs> Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> yeah, don't uh, say it. <laughs> but there's something really, there is something really funny because you're sitting there, all you're doing is waiting for this charming old lady aged 87, who's probably thinking about what's happening to her poor old husband, you know, to walk along and she does her bit wonderfully and uh, she holds out this glo- beautifully gloved... Hand and you take it and you think I must not curtsy, you know. Don't curtsy, beard, um, you know. <laughs> otherwise, you you know, you're really letting the side down. Uh, uh, and you think you come away and all your reactions are pre-programmed. You know, all the republicanism goes out the window. and you, <laughs> Oh God, she was so nice and didn't she look small and all those other things that you think. So uh, it was it it was strangely moving, and it was strangely revealing of one's own hypocrisy, I think. (laughs) Have you got an OBE, though? You've got an OBE as well? I have. That's not and very republican, is that's it? That's not very republican. <laughs> and I've got, but I've got another. I've got. I've got an excuse for have that one go, yeah. too. I've got an excuse. I didn't. I did actually sit and think. Should I do this? You know, order the British Empire. You know, no, I mean, it's not just republicanism. That's kind of imperialism. Yeah. too, two kind of fighting here. And I said to a friend of mine who's got something much grander than that. Um, I said, look, I'm thinking of turning this down, and he said. If you can turn it down, forget about it, and never get to be the kind of person who, oh, at the end of the party, after too much Pinot Grigio, yeah. says, well, of course, I turned an OBE down, <laughs> then turn it down. But if yeah. you get a blab, accept it, because it's easier to forget about it that way. Mm. How not, about not,
0: that? Not a good enough excuse.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I would have, I would have become the, the refuse, I mean, is it even, in actually refusing an OBE isn't that great, is it? I mean, you know, refusing, you know, something really, you know, f- refusing a
0: peerage. You could but have punched the Queen in the face this week, that's, that's, that would have been, <laughs> just going, yes, man, boom! <laughs>
2: <laughs> and of course, that the, same, would have been the fantastic. same, I haven't gone to get it yet, okay. the same thing will happen, and you know, I shall, you know, I've got the instructions, and I shall put my fascinator on, I've never I haven't had a fascinator before. But it sounds it seems better than a hat, and I shall go. Part of me thinking, God, this is a load of flummery deference. Oh, I hate it. It's like watching the you know the the BBC seven hour coronation broadcast from nineteen fifty three. You know, with them all saying, "These are the you know the princesses of the blood royal, etc." <laughs> are coming out. And you think, oh, you know, I'm going mad to listen to this, and then you think. Oh God! Doesn't he look nice? And you know, know, in the case of the fifty-three, isn't that you know? Wasn't the Queen of Tonga great? And so, you know, and I think it's either hypocrisy or it's kind of honesty on my part. And I like to think of it as honesty.
0: Well, I can't tell you whether I've been offered one or not uh, because
2: uh... (laughs) after I've said that, you certainly don't.
0: No, (laughs) (laughs) I kind of think it's unlikely. Especially now I've just said I'd punch the Queen in the face. Yeah, t- Alex will it. Boom, hey. um, Look, if they can offer one to
2: me, mate, they
0: <laughs> certainly offer one to you. they one to Jonathan Ross, he was the first OBE we had on. I can believe they gave it off Jonathan Ross. If Jonathan Ross can get one, that. Anybody. What's the point? What's, what's the point in having it? <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I want to talk to you a bit about uh, all the kind of furore, about you daring to go on TV uh, looking like I, you look. That's a, a, a terrible, best, yes. daring... <laughs> Thing. Yeah. Well, it kind of it's, it's sort of unbelievable. Actually. I'm very cross about uh, everything that happened. It sort of started with anus asshole Gill, as I call. That's what the AA stands for. The Gill start stands for Gash Intercourse Labia Lavatory. That's what it's <laughs> done. Who I think was critical of the idea that anyone could go on TV with grey hair or not have to look in a certain way. Now, what makes me very angry about it is that, like in the 1970s. Uh, you know, everywhere. if you go back and look at programs there they had the most freakish looking people you've ever seen <laughs> like, just ridiculous, like barely human being <laughs> Or oh, there'd be academics and, you know, really strange guys on. And if someone came on TV to present, like, a serious programme and they were good-looking, everyone would laugh, going, this is pathetic. They'd just put a pretty person who doesn't know mm. what they're doing in order to, you know, like a model-looking person to do this. And that would be the joke. And it's turned around so, to such an extent that an expert on a subject can't go on TV without being <laughs> criticised for, for the way they, that they choose to look, which is kind of outrageous.
2: No, it was extraordinary. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I was actually giving a lecture in America when this came when this review of Gill came out, and you know, you know Gill got form where I was concerned, so I knew it was going to be hostile. And I, I remember sitting in the hotel room, waiting, waiting to be able to get it online. And when it said, "She looks as if she should be on the undateables," I thought, "Christ!" You
0: know, he is a very good-looking man, though. That, yeah, I have to say, for, <laughs> he sets the, the standard no, very high on good looks, so it's no, you know, right. it's fair enough.
2: It's that sort of. Um, kind of orange skin that he has <laughs> yeah. that is so I mean, I should, so I should
0: really not be arguing against this, because obviously it's in my interest that extremely good-looking people get to go on TV, But
2: right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am t- I'm too good-looking to go on TV. That's the reason I'm not actually... I'm too sexy to go on TV.
2: <laughs> what but, uh, thought when what he
0: shot t- a baboon AA Gill to yeah. find out what it feels like to kill a man, yes, which did. is kind of weird on two levels, because A, you're killing a, a primate not a man anyway, and B, why do you want to find out? It's like Nick. when Nick Ross says, yeah, well, yeah, someone showed me some child pornography, I'd have a look just to see what all the fuss was about. That's what he says. It's the same thing as that, isn't it? Yeah, I'd love to know what it's like to kill a human being. I imagine it's pretty horrible. So yeah, he's a, he's a yeah. horrible man, but well,
2: we you'd expect put him, better... Put him with Pan and the Goat, really, I think.
0: Would be quite good. <laughs> you'd expect better of a... Of, of a a journalist but a few I journalists joined on that kind of bandwagon and then then you got into uh, you, when you're on question time <laughs> there, there was a lot of <laughs> well, you googled yeah. yourself presumably yeah, to find this yeah.
2: yeah there's two stages to this first of all you know gill actually gets i was quite encouraged because um most of the country or at least the country that kind of put its head above the parapet um said gill was absolutely bloody stupid and I thought it was, it was really great. There was a little article in the Daily Mail, and I thought the Daily Mail might have really come out the other way. Uh, but, you know, for once, under the line, on the internet version, there were loads of people saying, how stupid, we want to see people like Beard on the telly. You know, they, you know God knows what they think of my political views, but it, as far as I looked, it was fine. And I thought, well, look, what's going on here is actually most of these readers look like me, you know, and most women of 58 without a lot of treatment look more or less like me. And most women over the age of 50 have grey hair, get it, you know? And, that's, and that seemed, you know, that seemed quite good and everything went quiet for a bit. And then there was, you know, you, you reach, after the question time appearance... There was this kind of great uh, great leap forward in misogynistic terms because you know in the end, I now look at Gill and I think he's a sort of silly boy, and you know i 'd like to take him out to lunch and and put him right and smack his bottom <laughs> and say, "Oh look, you know just just think you know just what does David Starkey look like you know and why why does that not matter, um, but at least I now think, well look Gill." Silly boy, he signs the articles, you know who he is. If you want to go round and say, look, mate, you shouldn't do that, you know where he lives. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where he lives. Mary's found out, though. Fuck, like I'd be terrified to be AA Gill.
2: <laughs> when you get to mad internet trolling, yeah. you get to a whole... You know, it's, a, it's 50 steps beyond Gill in terms of... you know, extraordinary misogyny and I think what's very odd about the question time backlash was quite how difficult it is to get across to people what these internet trollers against me and against a lot of other people on the site on don't start me off what they were actually saying because you can't go on the BBC and say what they said So you have to say, you know, things, terribly periphrastic things like, you know, um, he he talked uh, about the size of my private parts, you know, and actually he's saying, you know, you've got a the size of a marrow or whatever, you know. Now, if you try to do that, even on Woman's Hour, they say, (laughs) they say, well, do you think we could put it slightly (laughs) differently? And... Uh, I, and if I hadn't had my own blog, I couldn't even have got it into a newspaper. Luckily, um, I have a blog on the Times Literary Supplement site, which nobody really monitors. So they didn't <laughs> notice that I'd put on it uh, a picture from this website of my face with labia superimposed. Um, because, you know, I've got a very sort of modest little blog which talks usually about classical things and, you know, Don's life. And you know, they're not looking for kind of nasty bits of porn on it. And, and actually loads of people went to it and they saw the kind of stuff yeah. that this is. And and I suddenly realised that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not a great sort of admirer of Louise Mensch, but, <laughs> but when she started moaning about what she got on the web... I had found myself thinking, oh, God, look, darling, you know, if you you, know, if you put yourself about and you look like that, then you've got to take the rough with the smooth. Yeah. And now I see that what what Mensch was presumably getting was much the same kind of really, you know, vile stuff. Yeah. Um, and it was, in a, in a funny way, it was terribly easy to combat it because it was so obvious what you should do I mean there are some people and there still are people who say look if you get really 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 attacked on the internet um then just shut the fuck up basically because it'll only draw attention to if you open your mouth but I think you know women have been told to shut the fuck up about what people say of them you know for thousands of years and it was just so easy to say and it and in some ways easier, if you're my age and if you're 25, because you know, some young women are getting this, a lot of young women are getting this too, to say, look, you know, can we please just hang on a minute and can somebody explain to me why the putative size of my vagina might have anything whatsoever to do with my views on immigration? You know? <laughs> it just doesn't. You know? No, and, well, it's about... it's, you know, it's... It, it's a no-brainer.
0: No. Well, I think I might, you know, I, I think at the time I was on Twitter and I thought I was admiring what you're doing but I was thinking, God, this could really, you know, I was one of those people thinking this could just be terrible. Maybe you should just shut up about it. But then actually it was kind of amazing because you pushed and I'm very, I, I always kind of try and rile these people a bit more myself but I never get anything, <laughs> I never get anything as bad as that. But it was incredible that it, it did create enough of a, have, have, have fuss to, to get the site shut down, yeah. and uh, you know that doesn't stop the problem, obviously, does, uh, yeah. in the long term. But it's kind of it is an amazing thing you did. It was a very mm. important thing to do, and I, and I think it's the same. You know, in the 1970s, people were allowed to be racist, and would have done if they'd had the internet. There would have been awful, yeah. awful racial things put up that people wouldn't accept now. So it's uh, it, you know it, it is a very important battle to fight. So it's kind of amazing uh, that you you achieved managed to defeat those awful idiots. But there we go. Let's
2: I got a I also got a long letter of apology from the guy who ran the site.
0: How oh, did you?
2: um well, you know, how sincere I don't know, but yeah. It um it made me feel it was it was good for me because um you know, I don't mind talking about it now, but it did start, you know, it being a sort of poster girl of troll victims over 50. <laughs> got to be a bit time consuming for a while. Um and Actually, not just the site coming down, but also the apology saying "I am sorry, this was unacceptable." Yeah, um, allowed me to say to people, "Okay, that you know, we're moving on now, folks," sure. um, and to kind of claim some sort of. Oh, I'm going to say the word closure, but you know, <laughs> I, I just you know I could have gone on talking about trolling for the rest of my life um and you know how I beat them and, and it was it was good to being given uh you know by as I say I don't know if it's a sincere letter or not um but a way out of that and so now when I talk about it it's in the you know it's not me now it's in the past I'm yeah. you know I'm sure there are people you know saying completely ghastly things about me on the web and you know, people are going to say ghastly things about people on the web, and as long as they've got the grace in the end to apologise. <laughs> you know, you maybe that's, you know, I've said stupid things on Twitter. You know, I, I've never done that. Not, not like you. Unlike I've never you. Done. You know, and you've just got to learn to say, um, sorry, chaps, that wasn't, I shouldn't have said that.
0: Well, freedom of speech is all good and well and good but you know sometimes you just have to think about whether something's worth saying (laughs) just because you're allowed to say it doesn't mean you should but let's move on and ask a very important question that I mustn't let you go without answering if you had to choose between having a hand made out of ham oh god I've read about this question I should (laughs) have you should be very well
2: prepared I should have prepared Uh, the the answer I didn't think you'd be so predictable as to Uh, do it
0: you don't know me very well I'm going to throw in a curveball. I'm not. Uh, it's an important question. It's a perfect question. I tried to mess around with it. You can't mess around with it. You've either got a hand made out of ham or an armpit that dispenses sun cream. Enough sun cream to cater for you and maybe one member of your family. For, <laughs> for eternity? For, no, for the year. Well, yeah, for fraternity for the year. So we get you through a year and then there would be another supply the next year. But you couldn't go, you know, opening up a sun cream factory and just filling up bowls. So the hand... You can eat the hand hand of ham, but uh, it'll grow back, but it'll take about a month if you ate the whole thing, so it's like a snack. But you can nibble at it. Just nibble a bit of it, and then it will grow back reasonably quickly. Which of those two things would you prefer? The classicist Mary Beard.
2: (laughs) Well, as a a classicist, Uh, um, uh, this is obviously a professional answer. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, We classicists have partly become classicists because unless we are so unfortunate as to work on Roman Britain or Roman Germany, yeah. it does tend to take us to sunny Mediterranean no, climes, yes, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, um, so the ham hands, you've got the ham hands. <laughs> Just to chew on.
0: To chew on while it was sunny. And that's the to that. No, sorry, carry on.
2: So... <laughs> <laughs> So I think we'll take the sun cream yeah. uh, as uh, it's also it's two things it's it for me, it signals work, you know it signals tramping around the yeah. ruins of Pompeii getting a bit hot, you know, and, and then looking at yourself in the mirror and thinking, "God, I wish I had a bit of sunscreen. It would have been a bit better <laughs> uh, but it also is a kind of it's that image of something that I never do but I always kind of I close my eyes and I think of my dream holiday. And my dream holiday is nowhere near a sodding ruin, I have to tell you. <laughs> you know, my dream holiday is a lovely swimming pool in a discreetly upmarket hotel, very discreet, <laughs> um, uh, with uh, the um, Campari's. Or the Negronis <laughs> at hand, <laughs> and the blissful sun. Now, I never do this, no, but somehow, somehow the the sun cream would kind of make that seem a more urgent possibility.
0: Also, if you were doing archaeology and stuff with a ham hand, it would get all <laughs> dirt and stuff on it. Coprolites should get on it, wouldn't you? That would be nice. Oh,
2: worse than coprolites. <laughs>
0: Coprolite. So there are like That's archaeologists who just
2: study ancient shit. Yeah, just <laughs> yes, they study ancient
0: coprolite shit. analysts.
2: Yes, in fact, one of the, the biggest advances recently in the study of Herculaneum has been the intimate analysis of the contents of a Herculaneum sewer. Mm. I mean, look quite literally, not just a sewer, not a kind of you know dirty rainwater, but the um, Effluent from a multi story block loose coming down over about no doubt 10 years. <laughs> from which, let me tell you, mm. we can 100% certainly say that although everybody always says that the Romans wiped their bums with sponges on sticks, uh, in the sewer there is no sign of a sponge. Mm. Um, there is lots and lots of rag bits so we, I think we have to assume that the Romans sometimes used sponges on sticks but maybe also they just used kept rags
0: this, maybe they just kept it by the top <laughs> it rinsed out in, st- in the bowl and then just reused yeah, but, oh, it again oh but
2: some bit of sponge would have gone down <laughs> loo, wouldn't it <laughs> Especially natural sponges, but good say.
0: And there's another important emergence question. I think you might, because oh, no. you, you, know, you are hanging around in spooky places a lot. With the oh. G- with, have you ever seen a ghost when you've been, in, well, anywhere, but you know, in have Pompeii? You? No, because they don't exist. But have you, have you, and that's not the question, is it? It's have you ever seen one? That's the question. <laughs>
2: I asked my son what to say to that question, (laughs) and I've just given the answer. Have you? you, When when you've seen a ghost, mate, I'll come and tell you about mine.
0: All right. Have you ever seen a Bigfoot when you've been around? (laughs) 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 These are the emergency... I ask everyone this. It's an emergency question. There's no need, you know, but I just thought, if you had... That might get in the papers if, if, again. If I it's were, really, yeah. it's on the news again.
2: If I were to say yes, would that get in the news? Uh,
0: if you definitely if you had any f- photographic evidence,
2: <laughs> <if> you, <laughs>
0: well, you might, never do, do you? It may be you in never. Pompeii. Was there? Is there any large footprints in Pompeii oh. that could have been a
2: Sasquatch of some kind? Well, <laughs> there always, is, isn't <laughs> there always there? is. There always is. But you'd have to be barking to believe it. But <laughs> there always is. Right, well, I think we
0: are nearly at the end of our fantastic
2: conversation. What have you got coming up? You've got doing another book? Um, I am doing a book. i am just about finished a book on Roman laughter. Wow. Oh, yeah. What's the best Roman joke that you know? This is going to be deeply disappointing. It's got to be really
0: good, because <laughs> we're closing now, so this has I got to will, be something that will make. It's got to be bigger I than the things that same comes on I Tom will Monday. tell you
2: one Roman joke, which is yeah. not bad. Right? Okay. Right? it's um uh a man uh goes and it was going to buy some honey he sees a man selling honey in the market and he goes over and says oh that looks like good honey can i um can i taste it and the guy says oh yes he's god that's really good honey i'll I'll take that and the guy who's selling it says well it is really good honey it tastes good and uh, I wouldn't be selling it if that mouse hadn't gone and died in it. <laughs> <laughs> a tough crowd. they
0: that would have killed Thank an you. age of Rome. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the fantastic Mary Beard. Thank you. We'll be back in about 20 minutes with John Lloyd. Thank you very much.
1: Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.